Well, good morning. We are going to continue in our series this morning on the church. For her, he died. And it is my utter privilege this morning to be speaking on breaking bread. Now, this is a topic that to our um, perhaps short-term memories, I can never think that we have preached on this as a topic at Emmanuel Church. Which is quite strange, I feel. We break bread every, uh, every month at the moment, so it's often mentioned, but it's never been something that has been preached on. And I have that delight. And I want to tell you, I have been <clears throat> on a journey with this topic. As soon as we, as elders, as we talked about the church, we do a series on the church, I said, right, I want to preach on breaking of bread. Because the last um, perhaps six, seven, eight months, I've been on a journey on this topic. And I've read deeply, I've thought, I've even practiced breaking bread in different circumstances with different people. And I feel that this morning I've got something to bring that's going to help us. Firstly, a bit of background to me. I became a Christian when I was 16. My name's Ian, by the way, if you don't know me. Um, and I went along with my friend to a local Anglican church where I lived. And every Sunday we had communion there. And even as a really keen young Christian, after several months of kept saying the same words over and over again, they kind of lost their impact for me. And then I came to Durham and I wanted to come to a lively church. That was my description. I didn't even know the word charismatic at that stage in my life. And someone said, go to Emmanuel. So I came to Emmanuel. And during that, in, in that process, I learned about the restoration of the church that happened, the, the charismatic renewal that happened in, in the UK, in the church in the sort of 70s and 80s. And I embraced that. I thought, this is wonderful. We have a freedom. We were open to the gifts of the Spirit working amongst us. We had different church structures. We believed in, in, um, in the Word, bringing, um, bringing life into people and freedom in worship. And that was great. But I always wondered whether in the charismatic renewal, we may have chucked out some good stuff. That wasn't me. We may have chucked out some good stuff as well as some other stuff that wasn't helping us. And that one thing has always been in the back of my mind, and that has been breaking of bread. I've always felt there's more for us there as we, as we practice that monthly here. And during that process, these last few weeks, the last few months, I've just felt God speak to me more clearly about it, and that's what I want to bring to you this morning. A few weeks ago, I broke bread with a group of friends, and as they left, I just felt God speak to me um, about being a shepherd. Now, a shepherd is an image that's used in the New Testament of leaders of churches. And as they left, I just felt God whisper into my heart that I've been a shepherd. I've taken the sheep, and I, I showed them some fresh grass. I showed them some lush pasture 
where we can eat upon and be fed. And that's what I want to try and do this morning. I've spent months reading and thinking. To fit that everything into half an hour is going to be tricky. So I'm going to do the prayer of a preacher. Lord, God, help me. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. At the beginning of the year, Alan spoke about us going deeper into God. And for some of us, that can be totally new experiences. That we, we experience perhaps the baptism of the Spirit. We experience a gift of the Spirit for the new tongues. But for all of us, it can be going deeper into the old things of God. The ancient things. The things that have been practiced for decades and decades. So just to help you with words that I'm going to use this morning. Um, we generally use the word breaking bread when we talk about this meal at Emmanuel. Because that is what we're doing. We are breaking bread. And that's the biblical term that's used generally. But we also have wine involved, which doesn't seem to get a mention. Other words that are used are Lord's table or the Lord's supper. If you come from a, perhaps an Anglican background, you might be more familiar with communion or holy communion. Or even the word Eucharist, which is a Greek word meaning thanksgiving. And I'm going to try and use those words interchangeably. I'm not too fussed about which one we actually use in our meetings together. The other word I'm going to use is the word sacrament. So sacrament sounds a really old-fashioned name. What a sacrament is, it was, it's an outward physical thing that we can do, which represents an inward spiritual change that's happened. Someone helpfully described it once as the living words of God. The actions we can do, the living words of God. And in our community here, we celebrate two sacraments. Commands of Jesus. To be baptised, and we're baptising on the 1st of March. And also communion, breaking bread, the Eucharist, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. And these sacraments are the ancient things of the church community. They are physical things. And they involve our senses. As we break bread and drink wine later on, our senses are involved in this process. They are not the shiny new things. You can't get an app to do what we're going to do this morning. It might be that you are able as a Christian to go to YouTube and listen and, and worship God through YouTube. It might be as a Christian you can go to a podcast and listen to your, your favorite preacher and hear those sermons. But this is the place where we as a community can come and engage through the bread and the wine. It involves a physicality that we can't get an app to do for us. It is you being present here and now in this space and in this time amongst these believers. And I sense there are three aspects 
to the Eucharist. Remembrance, community, and hope. And I hate the way hope is put last. But remembrance, community, and hope. And I believe that as Christian communities, we are really good at the remembrance side of things. It's always frustrated me when we say, we're breaking bread. What does everyone do? Head between knees. Everyone gets all quiet, introspective. It gets all very heavy. Remember the death of Jesus. It all becomes quite depressing. How have we managed to do that? Because Jesus isn't dead. There are further dimensions to the Eucharist than we, that we've got yet got to explore more and more. There's community, communion and there's hope. Now it gets mentioned every now and then, but these are things we're missing dimensions of this gift that God has given us. The cup of blessing, this Jesus describes it as. We are missing things that there's a richness, there's a lush grass for us to get hold of and to dig deep into. If we consider remembrance, communion and hope, there are three aspects of past, present and future to that. As we break bread, we are bringing in the past. Events from long ago are fused with our present community as we look towards a future hope that we have in Christ. It is like a point of singularity where everything combines and comes together. It's a triple point, past, present and future. It's not just about lining up and getting something to eat and drink. Time is contracted into this present reality as we remember, as we look forward with hope. We have a depth that we can dig in the the Eucharist. So this morning, what I'd like to do is to go through those three things, remembrance, communion, and hope. And then I'm going to tell you our plans as we go forward. Then we're going to worship Jesus. And then we're going to break bread together. As we break bread together, we can see miracles happen this morning. Because God meets us in this time. We can have ministry team at the tables. We can see people healed. We can see chains broken. In this time of intimacy, when we meet and engage God through what he's given us. So firstly, Remembrance. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Those great words of institution, as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 11. Jesus first said those at the Last Supper. This Passover meal that the Jews had been celebrating for generations to celebrate God's um, escape from them 
from slavery in Egypt and the exodus and God um, protecting them and allowing them to escape. Jesus is in this meal with his Jewish friends, but he changes what happens. And he changes it from an old covenant meal into this new covenant meal that we can now enjoy together. Because we know of our escape, our exodus, our escape from slavery. Slavery to sin and death that Jesus has won for us on the cross. And we can celebrate and remember what he has done for us. In Luke 24, we read of this amazing story. On the Easter morning, or Easter evening, when two guys are walking off thinking, well, what was that about? And this man starts walking with them and says, what's what's the matter? What's up? And I begin to tell him, and he then tells them, tells them about the story, and sits, sits down, and it's in a meal when Jesus breaks the bread, that their eyes are suddenly opened. Wow. A revelation, the resurrected Jesus. You were dead a few days ago. Wow, he's alive. So these two guys rush off, tell their friends. And they get there. And Jesus comes again. In a meal of fish, he reveals himself to them. The Bible says, and it's these things you can miss sometimes, the disciples <laughs> were overcome with joy and amazement. The resurrected Jesus was there, and they were overcome with joy and excitement. Does that describe how we break bread? Now, we do have joy and excitement in this building. Praise God. We have freedom in worship. We often see people affected by the Spirit, and that's great. But in this meal, the first disciples were overcome with joy and excitement. They'd they'd received the resurrected Christ. He was with them. And some 20 years later, Paul is writing to this rather interesting church at Corinth. And he's not impressed with how they're doing the breaking of bread. There's greed. There's going ahead of others. It's ill-mannered. And he writes to them, this is wrong. You should be doing it. He writes a correction to them. And it's almost like we do the correction. We miss the life that should be present. As we're in communion together. We've made that our normal. We get all somber. We can sometimes think, am I worthy? Have I sinned this week? Sarah last week had a picture about people being mislabeled. We are not sinners. We are saints. And somehow, 
we can fall into some trap that we get to that holy place before we break bread. We suddenly think that we are full of sin and am I worthy to do this? Well, no, you're not worthy. But Jesus is worthy. He is the one who has made a way for you to do that. And we can rejoice at that truth rather than try and pick through our lives to try and find out, is there a reason I I should do this or not do this? We seem to forget the gospel sometimes. (laughs) And friends, as we enjoy this Eucharist meal, this is not a memorial. It's a meal of remembrance. It is not a memorial. Now, a memorial happens when someone has passed away, and they may have a a burial somewhere, and a a service happens after that, and there's a memorial service, and that person is remembered. They tell stories, and it's it's a great way to bring closure. This is not a memorial. Because Jesus is not dead. (laughs) Come on, he is not dead. We've just had half an hour of wonderful worship focusing on that fact. He is alive. He is present here by the power of his spirit. The Bible speaks quite frequently about our feet being placed on a solid rock. Can you think of those kind of images that come to mind? Our feet on a solid, solid rock. And I th- thought back about this, and I can remember a few years ago, I took our family on um, an adventure to find the source of the River Weir. So we live about 100 meters from the Weir, and I thought, right, could we go for a walk and find the source of the River Weir? So I got the OS maps out and worked out where I thought it might be. We headed off up into the Pennines and we trudged through fields to find the source of the River Weir. And just let me say, we did find it. This is a few drips. Well, that's the original source. I don't know. But anyway, we found something. But on that walk, as we're going through, if anyone's been up top of the Pennines, it's quite boggy there. So you can end up trying to, there's a rock there and a tussock of grass over there, and you're, you're jumping to avoid all these bogs. Until I hear a yelp behind me. I look round to see my wife's leg has disappeared. She's up to here. Now what's the next sound I hear? Laughter from our children. Of course, I didn't laugh. But we pulled her out of this bog. I want to paint a picture in your mind now that this solid rock that the Bible speaks about it's not an outcrop of rock in a bog it's not a stepping stone across a river it's not land above the high water mark at the seaside the rock we stand on is the rough hewn out floor of an empty tomb 
That is the rock we stand on. The floor that once held Jesus' body no longer does. And we stand on that rock because it's the power of the resurrection that our faith stands. Paul says that our faith is futile if Jesus wasn't risen from the dead. If Jesus wasn't risen from the dead, we are to be pitied. He was, so we're not. And that is the heart of the Christian message. That Jesus is alive. And we can enjoy this meal together as we declare that, as we remember that, that he is alive and is risen from the dead. There may be, pe- there may be people here this morning who are just looking into what it means to be a Christian. It may even be that you've been making a list and trying to compare, well, what does secularism compare to Christianity? And it's a kind of uh, pros and cons list or a different faith. You might be making a list down. Let me tell you, it's not about a list. It's about Jesus. And it's about meeting with Jesus. And this morning you might get a chance, you might think to yourself, I want to go in Jesus' direction. You may not have all the answers. You may not fully understand everything. But this morning, you have a chance to say, yes, I'm going the way of Jesus. And you can express that by drawing close to him as we celebrate this meal together by deciding to follow him. This could be your way of indicating where your life is going in the future. Communion. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. We have a wonderful way of demonstrating our unity this morning. We have one loaf here. It is a loaf that has been specially baked for us by Tom Murray from Redeemer Church, Chester Street. And we can demonstrate our unity as we eat of one loaf. We, are, we have unity because we are all brothers and sisters, because we have one Father in heaven. And we can also, as we break bread and drink wine together, we can demonstrate our unity with people from very different cultures to our own. If you imagine, if you were the other side of the world and you were in a church meeting and they're singing a totally different language to you, you don't know when to sit up or when to, when to sit down. And all these words are going on and you don't understand what's happening. They're moving around, they're dancing, all sorts of things happen. But they then bring out the bread and wine. Ah, I know this bit. This crosses cultures. And we can have that when other cultures come into our meeting as well. They might not understand what we're doing, but as soon as we do this, ah, I know that. 
I can come and I can be part of this brother and sisterhood here together. And please don't think that is not an issue here. We had a lady a few months ago who came and we were using Google Translate to communicate with her. But as soon as we come to this, ah, I know where you stand now. We also join with many Christians through the centuries who have partaken of this very same meal. Firstly, the apostles, the early church fathers, martyrs, both ancient and modern, reformers, theologians, bloggers, and millions of others not recorded by history or noticed by society. We weave ourselves into that thread of many, many decades and centuries. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul also warns us not to partake of this meal in an unworthy manner. We are to consider ourselves, we are to reflect upon ourselves. From the context of that chapter, my understanding is that that check is that we are in right relationship with brothers and sisters in our community here. Now, we should be living that way anyway. And if you have anything against a brother, go and, brother or sister, go and see them and put it right. But in the point of communion of the Lord's table, we have that check. Now, I don't need much time to do that. I don't need to get all somber and put my head between my knees to think that through. Is there anyone here I need to go and see and sort, sort things out with? That's an opportunity. And a few um, months ago, Janet, uh, when we were breaking bread, she had a word about it being holy communion, which again, the Church of England might use more, more frequently than we, than we do. Because communion speaks of uh, a horizontal, it's a brother and sister, it's that kind of relationship together. Holy communion suddenly puts in a vertical dimension. It puts us and God in a meeting point together. And I really want us to capture more of that as we break bread together. As I said right at the beginning, we generally have, and whenever I've broken bread, I've always asked for this, for ministry team people to be at each table so that they can minister to you if you, if you need prayer about whatever issue you have. I've found out they don't always come up because they're not used. They just stand there. No one asks them for anything. In communion, there is a vertical aspect. We are meeting with Jesus in this mealtime. And what a great time to push into God. What a great time to... Ask afresh for that breakthrough that you need in your life. It could be a breakthrough through provision. It could be a breakthrough for healing. We've heard already this morning about chains that need to be broken. This is such a great opportunity and we miss it. So I want to encourage us, take that opportunity as we break bread together. It is holy communion. God is present at that moment. Let's push in with faith and expectation to see what he wants to do through that. And this morning, I know that 
John in particular is bouncing with a desire to see breakthrough in healing. So if you want healing this morning, as we're breaking bread, John's going to be at one of these front tables here. And what an opportunity. God has spoken to him this morning. Put that anointing upon him to come in that place of holy communion, meeting one with another, also meeting with God and seeing breakthrough in our lives. Hope. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Easter is not the end of the story. We have a future hope. You may know these words. Join in with me if you, if you do. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. And we live in that hope. We live in that time of expectation. There's a future chapter to be written. And we can live in that. And as we break bread together, we are prophetically declaring that one to another and to the nations. Proclaiming his death until he comes. And that's been going on for over 2,000 years. We read in Revelation 19 about a marriage feast. We read of a feast, the bride and the bridegroom. The church gathered up. This huge feast set down, the finest foods, the finest things that you've ever seen in your life. And guess what? There's a name card and it's got your name on it. And you can come and have a seat in that feast table that is prepared for you. This is a foretaste. This is just a few crumbs from that table. But we eat it, and as we eat it, we look forward with expectation of that future hope we have in God. Where there's no more pain, there's no more tears, there's no more suffering, and there's no, there's no sun because God, God is shining forth. And we can't picture what that looks like. And as we take this, we are looking forward with expectation of how great that is going to be. And, if, because, and that is faith. We believe without seeing it yet. And we have faith and expectation that that's before us. But as we take part of this meal, we are projecting forward to the future what God has in store for us. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Do you have a desire? Do you have a desire to look into those things, to dream This world needs hope. Post-Brexit, coronavirus, attacks on the church, gender issues, marriage. 
We need hope. The world needs hope, and we have hope. And Sunday by Sunday, as we worship, but as we come to this mealtime, we are declaring that there is hope ahead. And we desire and we ask that God may bring that future hope into our present reality. We know there's a kingdom to come, but we ask that kingdom to come now. On earth, as it is in heaven. And this meal is an opportunity to proclaim that. To remind us, to look forward, to look beyond. To give us extra faith to what is ahead. So as a community, I feel we have so many depths to mine of remembrance, communion and hope. As we meaningfully engage and practice this, we will be strengthened against the false values that the world around us holds so dear. Because we are able to proclaim the sacrificial death and resurrection of Christ and our reliance on the truth of the gospel rather than reliance on ourselves. Christianity is not a private, inner, individual experience, but one that thrives in community. And it lifts our heads out of the here and now and gives us a future hope for a better outcome. I want to finish with a quote from a guy. His friends called him Iggy. And Iggy said this. He said that the Eucharist was the medicine of immortality and the antidote that we should not die but live forever in Jesus Christ. That was Ignatius of Antioch who wrote that in the second century. So I want to go forward from this. Firstly, we are going to be breaking bread together now. And I wonder if uh, Mel, I think it was, if you could just pop out and tell the kids. We've got five minutes until they come back in. But as we go forward, what we'd like to do is to, during the month of February, is to break bread every Sunday. To really give us time to engage and experiment and go deeper and give God time to speak to us as we celebrate this Eucharist together. So during February, not only will we be breaking bread in the mornings, in the evenings we're going to be praying for breakthrough as we look for um, the Emmanuel Centre to be, ve- to, be de- to be developed as we gather at 6.30 tonight. And we're going to have different groups who are going to lead us in breaking bread and um, serving breaking of bread. Next week, we're going to have the mothers and fathers in the church serve us. The week after, we're going to have the students to serve us. And at the end of the month, we're going to have the elders serving you as we break bread together. And we're going to focus on these these three different aspects as we break bread. I want to give us time to embrace, to engage with what God has for us. I wonder if the band could just pop up as well. I'm really aware that I've described this as a meal. 
Um, I don't know about you, but if I had this as a meal, I wouldn't be very full up. And when you go back into the context of the Last Supper, it was a meal together that Jesus had with his disciples. And I want to encourage you to think through that we do celebrate this as a big family together here. And we can't have a big meal together necessarily. But you can in your smaller gatherings. So for your MCOM meetings, for your friendship groups, for your family, for your serving teams, you can break bread together. You can enjoy that time of remembrance, communion and hope that God has given to you. And you can have a meal time with that as well and break bread at the end or before or during, whatever you want. We have that freedom that God has given us. There's more for us to explore. There's more for us to engage in this wonderful gift that God has given us. We focus on Jesus, crucified and risen, the fountain of living water, the end of our searching, the only source of everlasting joy. Let's stand and worship him.